Oh my gosh, there's flames billowing out of the top of your home. What do you grab? What are the things that are most important? You have uh, two minutes to get it all. What are you going to take? What's it going to be? That's next on this episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast. This is the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Oh, that made my heart beat. I'm, I'm fluttering. I didn't mean to be so dramatic, so overly dramatic. But, you know, it is something to ponder, and I'll get to it in a minute. Welcome back to this, another episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Matthew here. Apologies all around for not having an episode up last week. I'll get to that here in just a bit. Not that it's some big, crucial, critical thing that happened. But um, this is the podcast that hopefully... Well, one of several podcasts. I don't want to give you the impression that this is an isolated podcast and nobody else is talking about how to be grateful for stuff because they are. And thankfully that they are doing that. I'm I'm appreciative and I'm grateful that other people are doing podcasts about gratitude because that is the purpose of this particular podcast. Hopefully where we find some big ways, maybe, and maybe lots of little ways to show gratitude and to be grateful for the things that uh, we have, that things are around us, things that we might not be overtly familiar with, things that we, eh, maybe they stare us in the face all the time, and we just don't acknowledge them. I know I don't. I do all of these things, and this is why this whole process is just that. It's a process, and it's a journey, and hopefully I'm learning from that journey. And so that is the purpose of this, the Gratitude Journal. and. I have to apologize for not being around last week. It was just one of those weeks where it just seemed like everything was happening and sort of going at 100 miles per hour. Have you ever had that happen to you? I'm sure you have. But I seem to have a fairly high, tall, broad, long threshold. And there are some times where I've just kind of hit the roof. You know what I mean? Like I'm burning the candle at both ends. And that was the case with last week and even into this week, which will explain the uh, tardiness and the length of this little soliloquy. And that has just been the way that it's been happening lately. Everything from you know, lawnmowers not working to getting Donna ready for her uh, art retreat trip to having to meet with the accountant and just things that are happening here in the studio, some equipment malfunctions. We had a couple of storms go through and I lost power for a little bit. Just a lot of things that just sort of merge together. And sometimes it just gets the better of you, right? That's the way I felt. That's the way I've been feeling. Really, it's kind of like how I feel today. But I did want to talk about just this burning the candle at both ends. And really, this whole idea of burning is what got me thinking about it. Because I ran out of the house this past week to fulfill a number of errands. And as I probably mentioned in previous podcasts, I've just felt the need to have my life more compartmentalized. And when I say my life, I sort of say our life. But obviously, when you're in a relationship, 
whether you're married or not, you know, the life melds into the hour part. And so the things that you do individually for your life that you would normally do if you were just kind of like a bachelor dude living by yourself takes on obviously a whole new meaning. This is one of the challenges, right? Of being in a particular relationship. And so my quest is always to sort of try to get done and to see my way, not follow my way, but to see my way. And I think vice versa, there comes a time when I am forced to look at the way she kind of sees life. Well, the way I've been seeing life lately is, as you know, I want my things in sort of some tidy boxes. And really, I want those boxes to be a, a, good, a good number of them eliminated. So I want fewer and fewer boxes. And so one of the things I've been trying to do is to create a kind of mental checklist. I mean, sometimes I'll even have it on paper, similar to the kind of grocery list that I work on throughout the week and write it down so that I know that when I wander into whatever store, the four or five different stores that I sort of spread myself around at, I know that, well, hey, I picked this up the other day at an Aldi. I don't need to get that today and that kind of thing. I'm not the best at it. I know some people are really, really good at lists and creating menus and this and that kind of thing, but I am not particularly phenomenal at it, but I'm learning. I'm trying to get better. And so I was out the other day going through this list and it occurred to me that I might have left something on that I didn't recall whether I turned it off. And I think it was an oven because I was making something and then I was allowing it to cool so that by the time I returned, I could, you know, prepare some of it for dinner and then put some of it in a bowl and keep it for later. But this kind of wore on me, this fact that I may have left a burner on and I didn't recall turning it off. I have this little checklist that I go through mentally when we like leave for vacation for a couple of days and I actually stand in front of the stove and there are four knobs and I'll say, and I'll look at them and I'll say to myself, off, 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 off. I know it sounds dumb, but in my head now, I realize that I have checked that off and I can feel better. All the doors have certain locks that I'm familiar, even with the sound that they make. And in my head, as I'm locking the doors, I know that I have achieved my goal of securing the home so that I feel better about leaving. There have been times where I've actually reversed out of the driveway and have left and gone down the hill. I've taken my little left at the stop sign to head on down to the interstate. And I'll say to myself, did I close the garage door? I think I closed the garage door and not trusting myself. I will pull into a parking lot, do a quick U-turn, come back out and ride past it. So I see the garage door actually being closed. But on this particular day, I was running over to my accountant's office and I had a meeting about some things. And then I had another meeting and then I had to drop something off. So I had my little checklist, but I kept thinking about the burners, like the burners. Did I go off, off, off? off. I don't think I did. I don't think I did. I was like halfway there. So I started panicking. And so I did a Yui and I went into a parking lot and I turned around. And I went all the way back home and it was just cursing. You wouldn't have liked, you would not have enjoyed 
me filming me at that time. I mean, I just, you know, used a lot of bad language that just really wasn't appropriate. And I was upset with myself and I was driving a little bit erratically because that, that meant now I was going to be late for my meeting all because I had not stood in front of the stove and went off, 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 off. And so when I pulled back around the corner, I luckily <laughs> did not see smoke billowing out of my roof and half a roof there. And so I was thankful for that. But I thought about it after I ran back in and went off, 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 off. I thought about this when I was writing back to my accountant's office. What would I take if I went around the corner and saw smoke billowing out of my house? And I had a couple of minutes to take these important things. What are these important things that I would take? And past my picture of Donna and I on the baseball field with pictures after our wedding on August 13th, 1999, that one picture. And aside from a couple of cards that my brother Mark has sent to me, and I just really enjoyed the verbiage that he wrote on the inside, and I have them to this day. Some are eight or nine years old. And maybe a couple of autographed books, you know, books with certain notations in the cover. What would I take? What are these important things that I would grab? I know what I'm supposed to grab. I'm supposed to grab like some of my camera gear because it's expensive. I'm supposed to grab some of the stuff in the studio, maybe even this microphone that I'm speaking into because, you know, these are kind of expensive pieces of gear. And those are the things that I should try and grab. But really, the flames are licking around your ankles. Or the smoke is becoming so intense that you're not able to breathe. Is there really something that you would grab out of your house? Are there items that make that list? As Donna was away at her art retreat this week, I spent some time between projects just rearranging some things, trying to find some of my things that I wanted to put outside of those little compartmentalized boxes that seemed to be important to me. I really began to take a much closer look at what would go inside those boxes. What are the critical, crucial things that would go inside those boxes? And I thought about that fire burning. I thought about those flames licking my ankles. I thought about on the verge of smoke inhalation. And I looked around the inside of the studio. And virtually, aside from a framed calligraphy that was done for me, the kanji symbol for twin, which I ended up having tattooed on my right arm. I'm not sure that there are a lot of things that would make the list. I have a framed picture on my wall, and inside that picture is a bunch of radio memorabilia. And rather than having things in shoeboxes, I decided long ago that I was going to create these framed keepsakes. 
And it's really just a collection of bumper stickers, business cards, maybe a couple of newspaper articles that were written about me and about the stations that I had been in at that particular time. Like a paycheck stub. Just various things that were hallmarks of a part or a portion of my career. I thought, you know what, I would try to grab one of those, one of those pictures. And I did the same thing when we lived in Pittsburgh and when we lived in St. Louis and when we lived in Washington, D.C. Rather than collect the keepsakes into a shoebox, I decided to take the ones that probably either meant the most to me or seemed to be the most important and included them in this kind of framed picture that I could look at rather than hiding them away in a shoebox. I thought to myself, I was really grateful that both of us, Donna and I both had the foresight to hang on to some of these things that mark our journeys, that mark the various places where we've been. I would try to escape the fire with a couple of those keepsakes. And even though I would be really upset about losing my $1,000 Sennheiser 416 microphone, I don't know necessarily that it would be that that I would be unscrewing from its XLR connector and shoving it in my pants pocket so that it survives the onslaught. What would survive the onslaught for you? One of the things I'm attuned to, and I think I'm sensitive to, but I'm certain that I don't have the wherewithal to completely understand the total scope, is Donna's feelings of sentimentality about things and objects. And while I have, as I just mentioned, some of these keepsakes that are important to me, she tends to have a lot of them. And I really feel like perhaps I don't really have a complete understanding of what these things mean to her. I try. I think sometimes we arrive at a crossroads about what is the importance of these things. And if they have sentimental value, to what extent do they have sentimental value? Naturally, I can't tell anybody what's important or not important to them. But at some point, I think we owe it to ourselves to create some downtime so that we can judge this, that we can make a decision about these things. Because in the end, the materialism of it does tend to weigh us down. I know it tends to weigh me down. And I believe that we all have to answer these questions about what is the important things in our life. I'm not talking about the things that are critical or crucial for you to do your job or the things that are critical or crucial or state-of-the-art that allow you to earn a living or maybe even just the state-of-the-art things that allow you to express yourself creatively. These things can be necessary things and maybe sometimes these things are not on the table 
as far as parting with them or keeping them. But I do think that we owe it to ourselves to find the least amount of attachment to material objects so that it allows us to actually have a vision and to be able to see the things that do. For a long time, I collected albums, vinyl. I oftentimes attached a particular feeling to a record or a series of albums or maybe a, a band's or a whole artist's discography that just I couldn't imagine parting with it because I had all nine albums. And even though several of these albums were sort of embedded into my skull, it's not even really the point that I really even had to listen to the who's who's next ever again because I really could air drum every single beat on the album and I could windmill chord practically every single guitar strike that I'd been hearing since I was a teenager. And all of a sudden, these albums really didn't mean a whole lot to me anymore. I have a nephew, like a lot of young kids who are into music or maybe they're even musicians who have a fixation with music from the 70s because so many great things happened in the 70s. So many great bands, so many great recording techniques, so much great equipment that's still trying to be emulated today. So I took really about 30 to 40 albums and I kind of tucked them under my arm. And we always go over to our niece's house for Christmas. And so I walked in with these albums and Colby was standing there and I said, hey, I want you to have these albums. I have enjoyed these albums all my life. And I know you like the Beatles and you like this band, you like that band, and you wear the shirts and you have the Pink Floyd hat. I want you to have these albums, and I'm hoping that you will get as much enjoyment out of these albums as I got out of these albums. And he's not the kind of kid who is extremely verbal. He takes a long time to kind of express himself, and he's pretty shy, but I think that he kind of dug it. I hope that he did. I was grateful to be able to pass it on. It reminds me of that great scene from the movie Almost Famous when William is young and sort of impressionable and his older sister is going away. She's had an argument with uh, her mom. And before she does so, she leaves him a note and underneath the bed are all her albums. And, you know, he ends up taking the Who's Tommy out and putting it on the turntable. And, you know, this was a Satori experience. I mean, it just, it moved him into another realm. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that Colby will have that same feeling. And so as I look at all these things, as the fire is burning, and I can grab the things and keep some things, and hopefully at the same time, pass on some things that other people might be grateful for. Not gratitude in the sense that, oh, this person gave me something but gratitude in the sense that hopefully they will derive the same amount of joy and the same amount of appreciation that I think they will. And for that, 
I'm hoping that they're grateful for that experience because I am grateful for having had the chance to pass it on. What are those things for you when the fire is burning? Also, make sure you give somebody something that actually works, okay? <laughs> I can't tell you how many times we've pulled up at a Salvation Army and we had the stuff there and the guy goes, does it work? And he says, well, you never know. You never know because a lot of people, they just pawn off their junk, okay? We're not passing on our junk. We're passing on our things of value, things that you value, things that I value. And hopefully somebody down the road will derive the same appreciation and maybe value it themselves. I value not having any more knee pain because now it's swelling up and my appointment's not for two more weeks. And I did something, I think I mentioned this in another podcast, I did something during one of my workouts. It wasn't a memorable something like, ah, ah, what did I do? It wasn't like, like that at all. I mean, I just thought oh, it was normal. All of a sudden the next day I couldn't walk. And it's getting worse. So now my knee kind of looks like a miniature soccer ball. And so I have two more weeks before I actually have to see somebody. I can walk. I just can't do anything else. Donna's back from her art retreat. We haven't really connected all that much. So I'm going to do that. And then we have to go out for a second. So I'm going to stand in front of that stove and go off, 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 off. So that hopefully no fires will be burning when we come home. Hopefully you're not burning the candle at both ends, as I feel like I have over the past couple of weeks, and the things begin to settle down a little bit for me, and hopefully things are settled for you. That you are well, that you are COVID-free, that you are beginning to kind of go out and about. Hopefully you've been vaccinated without a mask, and that part kind of feels good. So we're all kind of enjoying that as things begin to sort of open up. So be mindful of those burning fires. And until next time, thank you. I appreciate you downloading and listening to this, another episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast.